ready. Three, two, one. Anyways, let's get this started. Uh, my name's Brett. This is Brian. And today we're going to be talking about actually a few, um, what is it, match day? Match week. Match, match week, week games. Match day. Yeah. Know. And we're going to get through the Champions League. There's the Champions League that happened. Can we not talk we, about the Champions League? No, no. Just hang on. We got the... <laughs> we got the we got the Champions League, and then we had the weekend fixtures, and then we've just had two days of Premier League fixtures as well. Tuesday, Wednesday, beautiful. Um, but yeah, no, just like you said, let's talk about the Champions League first. Uh, how is that for you? Terrible. United have a path. They beat Bayern, and the other two teams draw. I love your optimism. That's not going to happen. The only thing that the only grace potentially is. Does Bayern Munich, having already won the group, you know, feel a little weaker side depending on what the outcome? They might have a league game. So we'll see about that. That's the only opportunity I really see. They're United done. are an absolute, or not United, Bayern are an absolute juggernaut in the group stage. Like it's literally been like eight years, I think, since they lost a game in the group stage. So, yeah. so like there's really no hope. And, it's unfortunate because I think Onana is literally in the, well, the, the course of the five games, at least probably seven goals have been his fault completely. <laughs> I have a question for you. Is there any person on Manchester United that gets into Bayern's, Bayern's starting 11? Well, I was just thinking like, the only players that like, even like I think you have a conversation about is probably Luke Shaw. That we've got Alfonso Davies on the other side. So that's done. So <laughs> like I'm just thinking, oh, okay, who's the, who's actually like a decent player on um if Hoy in Champions League form you would say Hoyland just because oh no, there's Harry Kane now. I kept Yeah, thinking, you can't yeah, do that. Sorry, I'm talking about the Bayern of the old because you know like yeah. Chapu Motang or whoever yeah. like it never had really a start. No, you got there. Harry. Yeah. Harry Kane, not Harry, Harry Maguire. Um so you're not optimistic. No, uh, but yeah, it is unfortunate because United have certainly scored enough goals. They, you think you could be scored 13, 14 goals or something like that in the group stage. Yeah, that's enough to go through. But, you, o, but Onana had other ideas. You, you you have the perfect scenario, though, for yourself as a United fan because you're, for you especially, like this is a situation where you are Champions League or nothing. Like you don't even have the option of getting into the Europa League, right? So you got to be sure happy. there's a way. Oh, I think like if if United draw and then one of the other team and then I think if, if United draw maybe and if Galatasaray beat Copenhagen, I think that might be a path for United to be third. I'm not sure about that though. Let me check. Would you be happy if, if you did have a have a way into the Europa League? No. Yeah, see you're um if you draw okay. And then Galatasaray. Yeah, and Gal- or is Copenhagen ahead right now? Copenhagen's ahead. Are they tied? Yeah. Yeah, so... But you, but I think if you, it's... You need a point, and then you would win on goal difference. But I don't... I will, I need to do... We need to do more research, but... I will... Because it's not... Is it, is it head-to-head, or is it goal difference in Champions League? I think it's head-to-head. Oh, if it's head-to-head, you're screwed. Well, which is good. Means yeah. <laughs> May as well just not have anything. Yeah. Arsenal, absolutely embarrassed lens. 
I didn't watch it, but it was, like, it was six thing. goals. So it was a beautiful. Like thing. You, you, I've never seen a six nil game that like you, yeah. some results. You just know the performances. <laughs> like you've never seen a six nil and just say, yeah, they didn't play that good. Yeah, oh. no, that's true. But anyways, getting to this weekend, um, you know, it's it's really been the season of this for United. Even though that they're only a couple points off top four, they're so up and down. So they they this weekend they had played. Uh, Newcastle United and had lost one nil, uh, and today they had they have played um, Chelsea and won two one. Now, I'm gonna ask your thoughts, Brian, on the game. But before I ask this, is is this the case of this is gonna these results are what's gonna keep Ten Hag in the job for the rest of the year, but also basically. Uh, mean that United aren't going to achieve anything this year? Oh, probably. You know, it's I've, I've spoken many, many times on the podcast about goal difference. United's goal difference was atrocious last year. They got third. United's goal difference is, I think, exactly zero right now. So that's not positive. You know, over the long run, you can't sustain any kind of decent, consistent results if your goal difference is that. Yeah. Unless you literally lose about 8-0 two games in a row and then, yeah. you know, win by one goal for the next two months straight. So it's not looking good. Newcastle thoroughly deserved that result. Completely outplayed United. 100%. So they probably should have had more. Chelsea, I just don't know because, in you know, a lot of teams in the Premier League, we know what their benchmark of an average performance is and they're somewhat of a consistent performer. So we know that, you know, if you, you know, we know pretty much what Wolves are going to do each week. And then we can kind of see based on another team, our team's performance, like where, where that fits in, in terms of how well they're doing. But I just don't know about Chelsea because Chelsea, it looked like where they're gathering some momentum uh, the last few fixtures and then it kind of falls apart. So I don't know if, what to say. United like did deserve, I think the result today, Scott McTominay, two goals. My only, only player on the team that I really like. But I'm not convinced because I just don't know what Chelsea's benchmark is. Because if this is mid-table relegation level Chelsea that we saw at the start of the, start of the year, winning 2-1 and deserving isn't a great performance. But you see the, the Chelsea that, that drew with Liverpool and, and Tottenham not all that long ago. And Okay, if that's, if that's the benchmark, then maybe United's performance was decent. I just don't know. Now, I have to ask this two questions. One, um, and I'll let you respond, and then I'll ask the next question. We haven't asked this question on this podcast to Brian directly, and usually he kind of toes the line, and he's, you know, but I really want a straight answer. It's either a yes or no question, okay? Um, are you Ten Hagel? No. Oh, wow. No, no, I'll tell you what. There's, <laughs> there's no one. There's no one waiting in the wings that looks like, oh, this would be a good fit. Sure, there's some, you know, ex-player maybe that can come in, galvanize the team, get some results for a few months. The most likely candidates, like you're, if you're if you're going down the like an Arteta route, if, like if, if you're wanting to do that, you know, a player that has. There's not a lot of ex-United players that have you know, any kind of, there's some ones that have good, good, pretty good experience. Like uh, Michael Carrick is doing some good things with 
Middlesbrough. Rooney's kind of fallen off a cliff with Birmingham City. Um, so I think all his stock in terms of being a manager is down a little bit. So I don't see anyone in terms of the, you the have that United mentality that played under Sir Alex and things like that. And I also don't see any kind of great external type of person that's available right now. That could easily change um, during the during the um, summer or whenever the next day, whenever they evaluate Ten Hag again. But it's literally like, I'm, I'm saying no, but it's not because I don't think that he should be gone. It's just that, oh, well, we, who else is it going to be in the interim? Yeah, I don't know. So if there was people available, you're Ten Hag out then? Yeah. yeah okay. But no, but I, I can't I can't answer that question in a bubble. You need I think you need to look at like, is he if, doing a good job? If you just like if you didn't if you didn't know anything if you just all you, you knew think about Ten Hag's if, doing if, a good if, job. If all you knew Do uh, you think he's doing a good job at United? I you'll let me answer the question. If if all you knew was what was happening in United, you didn't know what was going on with other managers' availability and stuff like I don't think he's doing a good job. But we can't answer the question in a bubble. It's okay. So Outside of the bubble, you're not replacing Ten Hag, but you're going to evaluate him as a manager. You're going in to do your little valuation on what he's done, what he's produced, what how he has a handle on the dressing room. What's your great evaluation for him? Well, obviously, very little progress this season. There's times in last season where it looks like you know things might be heading on an upward trajectory. This year. Um, you know, the combination of signings that he's brought in, like he, these are players that he had done fairly well with at, at, at Ajax. And, you know, it's a completely different league in terms of physicality and stuff like that. So Anthony's been a flop. Uh, we're paying Jaden Sancho 350,000 quid a week to play FIFA. Um, <laughs> so the transfers haven't been good. I don't think he's, I don't think he's a great media handling or dressing room handling guy. There has been instances where I, I watch his press conference, like, do you really just say that? Like throwing a player under the bus or things like that. We as supporters never really get a glimpse of what happens during the behind the scenes. But I'm totally okay with you absolutely giving hair dryer to a player and then you go to the media and defend them. Like, I think that's the right, right keep, keep conflict in, you know, behind those closed doors. So I don't think that's been great tactically. He's got enough players right now that are his guys that you think there's an, okay, you can implement the philosophy that you think is going to be successful. Hasn't caught on yet. So, and he's hanging on, like I might, might be like a D or C minus in terms of if you just look at the points, but like you look at, it's probably at least just a straight D cool. in terms of just performances. Ooh. Now I like what you said. Um, very in-depth. There was a report that came out that it said there's a huge divide in the dressing room because I think it's like half the half the roster is like Ten Hag out in the dressing room, like not playing for him, sick and tired of him. Um, so that doesn't spark, you know, very good things for United. Um, but yeah, they just seem, when Scott McTominay's on, they seem to win games. And when he doesn't score, they seem to lose games. But it's 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 not it's does it never bodes well when you're relying on a number eight to score mm-hmm. your goals, whether that's Scott McTominay or 
or if you're Jude Bellingham, like it's, it's, it's you can't sustain that. Not that the, not comparing those two, but they're two players that have, you know have, have won some games almost single handedly for their respective teams this year. Well, the other thing too is, um, like you have a a, stri- a new striker that you know you had high hopes for, and I don't think he's scored in the Premier League. No, I mean he's on fire in the Champions League, but um, like why is he not scoring? What's going wrong? What's going on tactically there? I have no idea. I'm just throwing it out. I wish I, well, I think I have to get paid a lot more to know what's going on there. Also, Uh, Rashford is not a good partner to play with if you're a guy that wants to get in on the goals yourself. Nor is Anthony, I don't think. So one-dimensional. How come Uh, Anthony gets so many chances? So I think Jaden Sancho could really unlock Rashford's toiling. It's time to bring him back. And the thing about it, Sancho has looked bright. When he comes on, and then Ten Hag just, oh, you didn't, you didn't put in a nine point five out of ten. Well, bring Anthony, the fidget spinner. When well, Anthony's uh, done nothing, and and you know, pride aside, like I know that you have to keep your values in check, but at what cost? Your job? Like you'd rather get fired for your poor performances than give because it, it. No, no, I, no. But here, there's no. Here's Eric Ten Hag's a hypocrite on this because yeah. he's perfectly willing to bring Harry Maguire out of the. Out of the the doghouse, the doghouse, and 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 play him in favor of World Cup winning, multi-time Champions League winning, fit Rafa Varane. Oh yeah. But Anthony's Anthony gets a pass, so I don't like he's because he's done it at the in the back four, but he's not doing it in the front three. Yeah. So it's not like he it's not like he's even like he has shown that he's willing to bring people back if the form's good. So I don't know what it is with Jaden Sancho. I don't think. Jaden Sancho is, you know, a hundred percent professional. Like it's not, it, it has, it's been, there's been challenges on both sides for that, but he's such a, and he's still young enough that you think you can, you know, can turn his career around and look, the, look like the player he was at Dortmund. I don't, it's interesting. United, you know, it just makes you up and down. It just makes you kind of, you don't know what to think every game. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Arsenal, you know, we talked about them in the Champions League. They had played Wolves and they had played Luton. And both convincing performances as far as the team outside of the net. But in both uh, both games, Rea has looked not great. Like the 4-3 win over, over Luton made Luton, like flattered Luton a lot. When you actually look at the stats and you've actually watched the game, it was very much an Arsenal-dominated game. Should have been very comfortable for them. But, you know, it look, just looks like Reyes got a mistake in him every game. I know the feeling. No, not. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, the thing, too, is the announcers don't help. The commentator, cameraman. Because they just, every time Reyes screws up, guess where the camera's going? Right on Ramsdale. Yeah, give those guys, give that guy a raise, that, as it should be, really. Yeah. Oh, so... Thing that I like, it's troubling to me because I think it shows character if you can win those games narrowly every once in a while. But if you're winning by one goal against teams like Luton and teams like Wolves, I shouldn't. I, I I get that every once in a while you have to do that, and it and it and it shows resiliency and resolve, and that's a tight. Like you know how yeah. teams go behind and commentator like and, and come back and win late in the game and the, the commentators that's what title winners yeah. do and stuff like that just fine occasionally regularly it's worrisome 
No, I have to ask the question. I mean, you should ask me this question, but I'm going to ask it, you know, to you, but I'll probably just answer it myself. How in the world did West Ham let Rice go for such cheap, such a cheap amount? And I'll answer the question for you because they don't understand and they didn't appreciate Declan Rice for what he was. An absolute monster. Who would have thought that we would have the second best DM in the world? Okay. Who's yeah, the first? I, I'm going to say, uh, I still think Rodri's better at, as like a DM. Uh, but also, like, Declan Rice, this is the second time with a big game impact and his leadership, you can see it all over the pitch, the way that he wins the ball back. You know, we were having conversations, you know, not me, not me, you, about how, like, you know, Casado is a better player and, um, you know, Rice isn't, like, like he's a good player, but he's not, like, a like a world-class over 100 million. I'm not sure if you, you put that, but a lot of people were saying that portion of it. And I just look at Declan Rice being, like, it's actually unbelievable how good this guy is like like his track back and tackling the ball is magnificent and for a hundred million a hundred considering all the money where a hundred million gets you in today's age that's unbelievable we got him for a hundred million and you had west ham that only made him play basically a higher up center back like the his movements, I'm telling you, name somebody better than Declan Rice besides Rodri playing in the DM spot right now. Yeah. No, it does like you know, he's he was a relatively consistent good performer at West Ham, and so like it stands to reason, like I don't think that you know there's been enough consistency in what we've seen with him in Arsenal. Like I don't expect a a large drop off. Like they've obviously he might go down. A little bit like he might be playing a little better than what he is right now. You well, don't I don't know. think he's in form. Like I don't think it's a form thing. Well, that's the center. We never talk form just because form is normal. Oh, people score they're on form. Like it's, yeah. form is just not a word we toss around with, with players in the middle of the park that don't score. So uh, yeah, maybe form is the wrong word. But but I, it is you know to spend a hundred million and to think that two months, two or three months in, you this guy's already oh. almost paid it back in a way Here, here's the thing i have to apologize to brian okay and what i have to apologize for just with with because brian has this thing where like brian is very anti-football in in the sense of like he doesn't get super excited about like his team stuff because he's been hurt a long or a lot and he's been hurt for a while so it's like hard for him to get excited for me i get excited like it's very easy for me to get passionate brian's a little bit more conservative about it and for me, like, let's take it back to the Mudrick fiasco is I wanted some optimism so bad with like a statement signing. And Brian, it was always very much like, I'd rather have a Premier League proven player that's maybe not as good or like, you know, plays consistently at a seven instead of like sometimes playing a five and sometimes getting a nine performance out of it. But anyways, it's just one of those things where it's just like, you know, we got Trossard. What an absolute steal that is comparatively to, to Mudrick. And then we go out and get um, Declan Rice, 
and we don't spend the money um, elsewhere. And we have somebody that's been, you know, not informed, just playing consistent the whole time. He wasn't like the the flavor of the week or whatever, like like Casado was type of thing. And it just seems to like the recruitment at Arsenal seemed to pay off very well in that regard. And Edu actually won an, won an award. He was like best football director of the year or whatever. So anyways, it's just, it's nice to see the performances. Our defense is solid, but I think Arsenal or Arteta's thing with two keepers, is kind of backfiring because versus Brentford, Ramsdale had to, came and played and he looked very shaky. So that's something to keep an eye on. No, Arsenal, like, I've never seen such a clear and emphatic winner when you think of it. Let's look at the players that we both teams brought in in the DM role. Casado, Rice, and then let's attacking winger type yeah. of role, Mujic. But the other thing to keep in mind is I'm always cognizant of this because we, we sometimes have a tendency to think when a team buys a player for big money and they flop that it's just the, that the player, like we, we transpose like, oh, that's the performances that the player would bring to our team. Yeah, because I think Erling, like we, we, City United, Erling Holland was linked with both. Holland's not doing that on United. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, there is a like the the infrastructure that, that exists in the club has a lot to do with how you know like Liverpool can bring in players for like thirty million and make them good players, and United would ruin them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think that Chelsea's Chelsea doesn't isn't in a good position right now to make their recruitment look good right now. So Mujic could have came to Arsenal and been a hit. I think he was good. I think he would if he came to Arsenal, he definitely would have been doing better. Yeah, imagine if he had a real coach. Yeah. Anyways, um, let's move on to you know things that we have to keep our eye out on. I think me and Brian have both been just absolutely loving this. We were right about it from the start of the year. You know, when we were doing our our predictions and we had at the start of the year and we had said dark horse or whatever, we both had that moment where we both looked at each other and we were like, ah. Because Austin Villa today, 1-0 against Manchester City, and it was not a counter-attacking, uh, sit-back counter-attack, and City just managed to never score. It was Unai Emery absolutely schooling Pep Guardiola uh, in tactics and team performance today, because Villa really did deserve this win. And this is four... Uh, four in a row for City where they are winless. First of all, let's talk about Boston Villa. Isn't it just a magical thing what's going on there? Yeah, you know, but here, like, it's I, we both did think that this was, but I, I didn't feel like that was a gut feeling. Like, I'm just like, yeah. this is a calculated decision. Like, I look at the players, like, that's the thing. I think kind of the mid table teams can get away with this because if like Pa Torres goes to a big team, he's an 80, 90 million dollar player. Yeah, I think, and, and Villa got him for like forty. Yeah, like I, it just makes me mad sometimes. Like, which is good because it helps teams like that compete. Unai Emery, probably the best mid-table team coach out there. Oh, like, without no, it's not even close. The amount of, like Europa leagues, you know. You wish you got more time at Arsenal, maybe. Oh. Well, I don't know. He had lost the dressing room at that point. But it's you know like a very. Very good coach. And, Underrated. Know, and he took it to City. Like, it wasn't one of these... Like, they were double-pressing at times and things like that. It was just a beautiful thing. But what's going wrong at City? Like, this is four in a row that they have not won. 
Yeah. And this, you know. Uh, the, yeah, Pep kind of doubled down too in recent. I think he was talking about like how hard, like, you know, it's tricky to win. No one, no one's ever done four in a row, but if we put in the performances like we did with some of those yeah. draws with Liverpool and the Cotton, we're going to do it again. Well, and, yeah. and you don't count yeah. them out because City's yeah. always good to go on about a 12 game win streak in March. Yeah. And they're certainly still capable of that. So I think six points behind right now. I can't pinpoint it. I don't think that I looked at the formation. Like, I don't think it was something like Pep. Pep didn't do that to himself today. No, 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 he didn't. No, this was a legitimate win for Unai Emery. So, but like, it just seems like City are in a bad way mentally because you see a lot of whenever there's a foul not called or something, you see City players throwing their hands up. You had said something a couple weeks ago. Uh, that I really love you for you to bring back to the podcast, but you're you're talking about City, and you can you can bring it up if you want, but it, I'll just give the context. It's talking about City a couple of games ago uh, when they played Tottenham, uh, not against Villa today, but the previous game against Tottenham. There is a challenge on Holland, and you could see arms go up, and uh, for the ref, like where's the foul? And the ref played advantage, and Holland kicked it. And it didn't look like a perfectly placed shot, but it ended up being perfectly placed for Grealish for a one-on-zero uh, against um, uh, what's his name, Vicario. And the ref blew it down, and you saw City players surround. They actually got charged by the FA. And Brian had said something that's uh, wonderful. Do you remember what you said? No, you, you can well, say it. Well, it's just Brian had brought the thought to the table where he's like, you know, it's interesting that like. You know, City have finally had a VAR decision or a refereeing decision go against them, and it's just so easy to see when they benefit from it that there's nothing wrong and there's defense for the referees. But as soon as something goes against them, they're right spitting in the in the referee's face and Holland. They see Holland's face and a yeah. still shot. Yeah, well, he tweeted about it too. Like it's like the audacity oh, that these players. I said that on Monday. You said yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Sorry, two sorry, days Monday. ago. Sorry. That's what I couldn't yeah, remember. Sorry. And then also you had mentioned like like when they had lost to Arsenal, they were they had a fit too. It's just like this spoiled brat type of uh, mentality, and Pep needs to get that out of them because they're they're in peril. You want to add anything to that? No, you know it is about time that someone else wins. Whether that's Liverpool again having it. <laughs> I think if Liverpool wins again, they I think they overtake United. Well, you, you can't. Argue, like I mean, I, you can't argue with Jurgen Klopp's project neutrally. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, like absolutely. He's, he's brought in players that kind of fit the mold and hasn't spent. In fact, the players that have been the biggest busts have been the highest play, like highest selling players that they bought, like uh, like Darwin Nunes. So you know, Luis Diaz, Salah came in on not a lot of money. So I wouldn't mind, yeah, if they win it again. Uh, be fine. It would be nice to see City out of the title race. Uh, new, I'm, I'm trying to talk as a neutral. Yeah, Seeing yeah. a good Arsenal-Liverpool. Because as far as uh, my knowledge, Arsenal and Liverpool have never actually had a, a big rivalry. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like They've always no, they been two big teams, but it seems like they've one team's always been probably better than the other. Like It seemed like yeah. Arsenal on, on, under Wenger was 
when Wenger was there, Liverpool are kind of struggling. And then in the post-Wenger, Liverpool's yeah. been doing good and, and Arsenal struggling more. Just for the viewers, just because it's, and we won't have stoppage time today and we'll go into the predictions for this weekend. But we uh, just for the viewers, like me and Brian, when we first like started watching soccer together and I had said I was an Arsenal fan, he was a United fan. We always had this question, like, who's your second team that like you just like to, to watch? And he had said Tottenham. And I had said I had said Liverpool, and it's just funny because it's both of our team main teams rivals, but it's also both teams have never really had a rivalry like Tottenham and United have no history against yeah. each other, and Liverpool and Arsenal same thing. So that's kind of interesting. But do you think United this weekend they're against Bournemouth? Do you think they can get back on the horse? Oh, I think probably get some wins string together. What do you think that? What's the prediction Who's for that home? game? It's uh. Probably it's uh, United. Oh, United. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they should win that one. I'm What's gonna the say, I'm gonna say like it's gonna be actually a pretty good performance, like three nil. Guys, I'm going two nil. Uh, now this one, Arsenal versus Austin Villa. Oh, at Villa Park. Oh my god, that'll be so good. Oh my god, I cannot believe this. This is this game is gonna be. Two teams that are forward thinking, in form. Who would have thought like the one of the most exciting games of the year would be this? Okay. Now I know what you're gonna say, but here's my prediction. Uh, two nothing. Villa. Villa? Oh. I don't know. I think Arsenal's gonna have a frustrating day at the office. What do you think? You know, they haven't been convincing lately. Villa is certainly going to score, oh. I think, one or two. Like, I think – I was going to either say 2-1 Villa or 1-1. One, one. Oh, I thought you were going to go 2-2. God, this game's spicy. Man, you are just giddy right now. It's going to be a, it's going to be a blast. But that's all we have in today's episode, and uh, we'll see you in the next one.